2: talk to us at Cordell and Cordell.
0: Contact cordellcordell.com 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard Suite 310 Foster City California 94404. You are listening to On The Daily the roto Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast powered by roto Radio.
3: Hello and welcome to On The Daily, a daily fantasy sports podcast brought to you by Rotovis Radio. My name is Matt Lamarca. I am an employee of the Action Network and Fantasy Labs. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lamarca. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. He is the uh, co-host of the Laying the Points podcast. Recently became a member of the Fantasy Labs family, which I'm super proud of. He is Anthony Amico, who you can find on Twitter at Amixta. Anthony! How's it going? It's going great, man. Uh,
1: You know, like you said, pretty pumped to be part of the Labs family. Uh, Really excited about everything that we got going on this season and uh, really pumped for this pod.
3: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, not to go too far away from the Rotoviz and into the Fantasy Labs, but I think we're going to be doing a ton of really good stuff over there this season. So definitely excited to have you on board. Um, Unfortunately, no Matt Jones tonight. Fatherhood calls him away. But you should still look him up on Twitter at Matt Jones TFR. He's going to be a big part of the show moving forward. I'm sure he'll have some takes for you over there. Um, and you know, we wish uh, we wish him well in dad life. You know, I guess having a a baby who's less than one week old is more important than a podcast. I think we can both uh, get behind that idea.
1: Yeah. Who knew, right?
3: <laughs> uh, before we start the show, I want to just throw a couple plugs out there. You can get a 30% discount to a Rotoviz subscription through the podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. We also just lost a Patreon account, uh, patreon.com slash Radio. That helps support our 10 weekly podcasts during the season and also gets you access to a new live show, which will be airing at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, so that's going to be really a nice thing to have moving forward you're going to get all your start sits, your injury watch, your weather watch, all the stuff that you're debating uh, whilst tinkering before the start of a game. You will have a live show that um, can help you with those decisions. So I definitely recommend checking that out. All right, that's it. Let's get into it. We're here. Week one is officially here. Uh, the NFL season kicks off in approximately one hour from when we we're rec- recording. Got the Falcons versus the Eagles. Um, so we figured it's a good time to start going through week one for the DFS slate. We're going to be talking cash game strategy, GPP strategy. So if you haven't already done so, I would recommend checking out the podcast we did on those two particular subjects if you're looking for some additional strategy. But with all that out of the way, let's dive right in. Let's start with the quarterback position. So I think the chalk options this week, it looks like, are Tom Brady- Drew Brees, and Deshaun Watson at the top of the pricing spectrum. Um, You know, we have a ton of value plays at other positions, so I think it's a week where most people are going to be paying up at QB. Uh, How do you like these guys, you know, maybe rank them, and is your strategy going to be different for cash games and GPPs with them?
1: Yeah, I mean, i probably just rank them in the order you listed, Brady, then Brees, then Watson. I am definitely on the side of... A little bit of Watson regression. I mean, I just think like his overall volume, like passes plus rush attempts, is probably the smallest out of those guys. Uh, and obviously Brady and Breeze are our favorites in their games. So that's probably how I'd rank those guys. Um, but I'm not I'm probably not gonna be getting a ton of action with those guys. Like I may I may pay up for like Brady or Breeze in cash if I spend down at like my RB2 spot. Uh, but it's really a priority for me for the most part to get as many elite skill players as I can on my team, so huge shock, I know, but I will probably be going uh cheaper in cash,
3: yeah, I'm in agreement um I think that the the expensive quarterbacks you know even though they have the higher ceilings, you can get the replicable production at least on the on a um, you know points per dollar scale by some of the cheaper guys and there are still going to be some guys you want to pay up for at wide receiver and running back even with all the value that's there um, I think for GPPs all three are obviously viable options I think my favorite would actually be Watson of the trio just because I think he's going to command lower ownership um, I think that Brady and Breeze might be the two highest owned QBs on the slate you know as you mentioned they're both playing at home as pretty solid favorites, which is a, a scenario that we definitely like to target. But I do think that Watson, with his rushing upside, uh against an exploitable defense, should be able to give them, you know, a similar ceiling type uh outcome at lower ownership. So I think he's the one that I'm targeting there. Um If we're going outside of those big three quarterbacks, give me some options for you, specifically for cash games.
1: Yeah, so I think the two main players that people will be looking at are Fitzmagic and Tyrod. I mean, they're both probably underpriced relative to expectation. They're both sub 5,500 on DK. uh, The rushing ability obviously assists their floor. I mean, we all know that uh, Tyrod is a quality runner, but I think a lot of people will be surprised to know that uh, Fitzpatrick is also top 10 in QB rushing over the last five years. I am surprised to know that. Yeah. And he's a guy that obviously hasn't even been a starter over that entire period. So uh, sneaky rushing upside for Fitzpatrick. I think that that makes him uh, a nice play. And another guy I'm, I'm looking at is Case Keenum, who, you know, unlike Fitz and Tyrod is a home favorite, a three-point home favorite against Seattle. Obviously a much lower total game than, uh, than you get, like with uh, the Bucks uh, against the Saints. But if you look at his nine career starts as a home favorite using the uh, Fantasy, Lab Trends, Fantasy Labs Trends tool. Uh, Keenum has a plus minus of 1.03 and a 66.7% consistency rating. So he's been really good in these situations. And it's not just the Vikings games. He had you know one of those starts as a Rams quarterback, one of those starts with the Texans. And he outperformed his uh, salary-based expectation in both of those games. So uh, this is... This is just where Keenum has kind of made his money, and I think that he's worth a look. He's definitely going to be more of like a dark horse option uh, because I think most people, if they pay down, will play Fitz or Tyrod, but uh, I think Keenum deserves a little bit of love as well.
3: Yeah, I like that call. Um, I'm definitely not looking at Fitzpatrick as such a big underdog. That's something I'm not super interested in for cash games, but uh, I do like the Keenum call, and I love the Tyrod call. I mean, Tyrod is just super undervalued particularly in cash games he's got the fifth highest consistency rating over the past year at the QB position on DraftKings like he's someone that just will get you you know 10 to 15 points virtually every single time out because he has that ability with his legs you know Pittsburgh is a pretty good matchup Um, I think that they should be able to move the ball on them and this is obviously the best collection of weapons we've ever seen Tyrod have so I think that this is a really good spot for Tyrod. He's probably my favorite cash game option uh, this week. One other guy I want to throw out is Dak Prescott. I think he's kind of similar in the Tyrod mold, you know, where he's going to do some things with his legs and his arm. Um, and unlike Tyrod, he's got an elite matchup against Carolina. They actually allowed the second highest plus minus to the quarterback position last season. Only Ben has a better mark in that category on DraftKings. So I think Prescott's a pretty interesting play. He should come in with really low ownership. Um, but again, he's in that mold where I think he's going to be able to do enough at his salary to, to give you what you're looking for for a cash game.
1: Yeah, I like that. I mean, Dak has been really consistent, even in the struggles. He's been really consistent in terms of the rushing production. So I think that's a really sharp call.
3: All right, let's talk GPPs. I think we're both in love with Ben Roethlisberger this week.
1: A hundred percent. Love. I mean, you know me. Like, I am not really a believer in the home road splits. I think that variance is a really big factor. And I think, honestly, that Todd Haley, if there was like a, a predictive quality to his splits, I think that Todd Haley might have had something to do with it. Uh, if you look at Roethlisberger's splits home road, they are... By far the most extreme uh, when playing under Haley versus uh, you know Bruce Arians and a couple of other guys that he's played under. So I think that uh, you know with Haley out and Fitchner in, I think that that's going to maybe stabilize a little bit of what they do. I certainly think that they're going to play with tempo and that Roethlisberger going to throw a bunch. And I mean, let's call it what it is. The, the Browns are not very well coached on defense. Greg Williams stinks. He's going to have his free safety thirty yards off the line of scrimmage, and uh, I expect ab and company to just kind of go to work so uh really really like roethlisberger and i think you know with guys being able to go all the way up to the top of a salary chart and with those home road splits like a lot of people i don't think will look to roethlisberger he won't be like sub five percent but i think single digits for sure
3: yeah we have him at fantasy labs currently projected for five to eight percent ownership and i love him at that projection like like you said good matchup and with no Bell in the lineup, Roethlisberger has averaged, I want to say he's averaged over 300 yards per game passing. So I think they might lean even a little heavier on the pass game this season, uh, or at least week one with no Levy on Bell in the lineup. You know, Connor, while he looked impressive in preseason, he's yet to really prove himself in a, in a meaningful game. And, you know, I don't think it's a bold statement to say that he's not going to be good on the, as a good on the ground as, you know, one of the three or four best running backs in the league. So I think that Pittsburgh should definitely be looking to air it out with their collection of uh, aerial weapons. Uh, Give me some other GPP guys you're looking at.
1: Yeah, I mean, the other two quarterbacks that I really like uh, come from the same game. Huge, huge fan of uh, Cincinnati and the Colts this week. I mean, I am definitely team Andrew Luck. I'm really driving the the hype train, the fan bus on him this year. But I really think it's, you want to buy, he's a guy you want to buy early in the year because, you know, once he plays a good game, once he does something good, uh, I think people are going to be really, really quick to hop back in. Uh, The total, you know, over the summer on this game, game opened up pretty low. It's now all the way up to, you know, 48, 48 and a half, depending on where you're looking. Uh, I certainly think that there's going to be scoring in this game. The Bengals really have no answer for the tight ends. Uh, that the Colts can deploy Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, and uh, Colts defensively are uh, very, very bad. I mean, (laughs) in uh, in terms of their cornerback play, they lost Vontae Davis, who is like maybe the only respectable DB that they had. Uh, You know, they have two guys starting for them at corner that are, you know, bottom 20 in uh, yards allowed per route covered. So I kind of think that uh, Dalton, you know, is going to be able to feed AJ Green in this game. Uh, the John Ross breakout, I think people are really waiting on that, and uh, I like Tyler Boyd. So there's a, a lot of options. I think this is a pretty underrated game stack uh, overall. So obviously that means I'm on Luck and I'm on Dalton.
3: Yeah, I I think those are both pretty sharp plays. Um, I I probably prefer the Bengal side as opposed to the um Indianapolis side. I mean, if you look at the the starting cornerbacks for Indy. They both graded out as below average or average at best for, uh, for 2017. So I think that Dalton is due for a big bounce back season. And I think that it starts week one against a really, really bad, uh, indie team. What are your thoughts on Cam Newton? Cause I think he could kind of go pretty low owned. Um, the matchup against Dallas, I know we both have kind of stated that we expect dallas to be pretty competitive this season at least when sean lee is healthy is newton somebody you might consider as well uh not not for me this week i mean i'm someone that likes to keep
1: it pretty tight right uh i I can kind of always be talked into cam like i'm not like a hard no on him he's just probably not somebody that makes my player pool this week i I like him more in like the like aerial shootout kind of games this feels kind of like a
3: rock fight Okay. I think that makes sense. I'm on pretty much on the same page. Uh two other guys I wanna throw out that I'm eyeing. One, I know you're gonna hate this play, but Russell Wilson. I just think that <laughs> he's gonna have to do so much for this offense. Like he he has the potential to carry such a massive workload between, you know, his designed runs, his scrambles, and his pass attempts. Obviously this is not a great matchup for him, but I do think it's possible that Seattle's being slept on a little bit. So anytime I can get a guy who I think is uber talented like Wilson, um, you know, at minimal ownership, that's something I'm interested in. And the other guy I'm considering is Blake Bortles. <laughs> uh, sure. Bortles is somebody who every once in a while throws one of those games at you, you know. And the Giants D was awful last year. I do think they have the pieces to be better. But there's definitely a situation where I think this game turns into more of a shootout than people are expecting. Um so I kinda like Bortles as like a you know five percent or own play as well. And he's cheap at fifty six hundred.
1: Yeah, I, I'm definitely down with Bortles. I, first of all, before I talk about Bortles, like I don't want to be painted as the as the hates Russell Wilson guy. Like <laughs> that is definitely that is definitely not my brand. I like Russell. Love your Russell. We're gonna hop. make it
3: your brand. I'm re-
1: I can't. I can't have that happen. He he means too much to me. Okay. But uh, no, I mean, Bortles is definitely a good play. Like we'll talk about these guys kind of throughout the show, but I, I'm really on a bunch of the Jaguars skill guys. So I think having, you know, having Bortles certainly makes sense. Uh, and you're right. Like he has these multi-touchdown games. I think especially, you know, against a team like the Giants, where maybe if they're not having a be- their best defensive day, you can kind of have your way. Uh, you know, gets a long touchdown pass, rushes for a touchdown or something, like he could definitely definitely bang it.
3: All right, let's move on to the running back position. Lots of value at RB this week. Not surprising, you know, week one is typically a week where you see a lot of value because the salaries are released so early. But you've got guys like Burkhead, James Conner, Royce Freeman, Peyton Barber, all could be, you know, quote-unquote workhorses for their teams but they are priced at 4500 or less on DraftKings. Um, how are you approaching these guys? Uh, cash games, GPPs, like are you willing to play m- multiple cheap running backs? Do you feel like you need to pay up to get a ceiling type guy as well? Like what's your overall strategy at the RB position this week?
1: Yeah, I, I think you want at least one of the cheap guys, if not two. But, I mean, you really want to be careful to not just like get sucked into – to price plays um I, I i i know for me there's there's definitely been slates where i look at the prices and i'm like god oh, this guy's way too cheap and i just kind of lock them in without really thinking about the situation uh you, you always have to consider paths to failure so i mean for me i think connor is probably the best play out of the cheap guys he's seen he saw every running back touch with the ones in the third preseason game for the steelers uh, Jalen Samuels played with the threes in the second half, so I think Connor has that spot pretty much locked down. I expect him to play on most downs, so like I, I feel really really good about him. And obviously the matchup's pretty good. Uh, if Sony Michelle doesn't play, I think Burkhead is set up to do a ton of work in the passing game and on the goal line. I think I just saw Adam Levitan tweet today that he played like pretty close to 19% of his snaps last year as a receiver. So uh, you get a lot of like versatile production there with Rex, and he's obviously very cheap. Uh, Royce is, like, my guy. Like, I I think he's really talented. But, you know, Booker and Lindsey both saw touches with the first team during preseason. I think this is most likely a committee, even though Freeman's listed as the starter, uh, until, you know, Freeman kind of gets a real stranglehold on that position. So I don't feel super comfortable with him as a cash play. And Peyton Barber might be the guy I'm, like, the most unsure of. Like, not that I necessarily think his situation is bad. I'm just – like, I could just see this going so many ways – uh, you know, he has been the lead back all summer, but it's hard to know like what Chuck Quiz Rogers will do, what Ronald Jones will do. I really don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't love playing a guy when he's not the most talented player as like a cash gameplay because I feel like if Barber does like one thing wrong or something, they might just give Jones another shot and he's good enough to kind of pull away. Uh, so I, th- I feel like there's like a really wide range of outcomes for the usage, but. Uh, maybe because we expect negative game script that keeps Barber on the field because he's definitely their best like third down uh, pass catching option. So that's kind of how I feel about the Chief guys. I think Connor for sure in cash. Uh, Rex, I think is likely to be a cash play for me and then I'll pay up at one spot.
3: Yeah. I definitely don't have as many concerns as you do about Barber in terms of like his job security. I think that he pretty securely won the job at least early on in the season given how good he was during the preseason, how bad Ronald Jones was. The the more concerning factor is that they're now 10-point underdogs. You know, like, we, right. we just did our whole show about how targeting running backs in game scripts like that is just bad process. So he's the easy scratch-off here out of this group. I'm super into Rex Burkhead. I mean, you know that we've done a bunch of fantasy talks and drafts together, and I seem to end up with Rex Burkhead on every team. Uh, I like you. I'm not concerned about Hill being the goal line back. I just don't think Jeremy Hill is that good. He, uh, you know, played a lot of special teams during the preseason. So I think he's more of like a, you know, special teams emergency type running back at this point. And I'm actually hoping that Sony Michelle does suit up because I think that'll lower Burkhead's ownership a bit. But I really don't think that Bill is going to look to give a rookie running back who hasn't practiced, hasn't really played much of a role in week one. So I'm actually hoping that he does suit up and he did get a limited practice in today. So I think there's a chance that happens. Um, but Rex is a guy who, you know, was looking at, I think like 30% ownership to now he might be down closer to 20. So I'm definitely super excited to play Burkhead. Uh, Connor, I agree is a strong cash game play he might be a fade for me or at least an underweight play for me in GPPs just because I'm really not convinced that how good he is. Like I don't think this is a D'Angelo Williams situation where he can come in and, you know, be Le'Veon Bell light. I'm not really at that point yet with him. I kind of need to see him do it a little bit before I'm willing to, you know, say that he's a lock at 4,500.
1: Uh Yeah, I, I think one thing I do want to touch on with the Jeremy Hill thing, like, the Patriots cut Brandon Bolden who I think a lot of people thought was a lock to make the roster because he played special teams yep so it's it's really worth noting that like Hill is really more likely to fill that role and it's possible that he wouldn't have even made the team if Michelle wasn't hurt so uh really not sweating him at all I mean Burkhead was pretty clearly the goal line back last season when he was healthy so I like that um I'm higher on Connor than you. I mean, maybe I just like to get sucked into like a good narrative. But like he was he was like on par with like Saquon Barkley when he was a sophomore at Pitt. And then he got cancer, which like sucked. And he's made like a really remarkable comeback. Like I I don't try to get too caught up in like the film stuff, but he looked really, really good in the preseason. Like he looked like he was moving a lot better than last year. Last year, he looked like a guy that like wasn't ready to play football. This year, he looks really good. So uh, I don't want to get too caught up in that. But I do think that, like, Connor has, like, the pedigree where if he is all the way back, um, I mean, this is a guy that scored 26 touchdowns as a sophomore. Like, he's really, really good.
3: Okay. Uh, I also like Royce Freeman. I think that he's going to be the bell cow in Denver. I'm not really worried about Devontae Booker. And I think it's a pretty good matchup against Seattle. So um, I think he should probably have the lowest ownership of those trio you know, the Burkhead, um, Connor guys. Like I think, I think Royce checks in with the lowest ownership, which makes him super intriguing for me in tournaments. But yeah, if I'm playing two of these guys in cash, it's going to be Burkhead and it's going to be Connor. All right, let's move up to the top of the pricing spectrum. Uh, it looks like Alvin Kamara is going to be, you know, probably the most popular play of the week, maybe regardless of position. How do you feel about him against the Bucks? I mean, he certainly checks, most of the boxes that we're looking for in a running back. And obviously he had incredible production last year. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to make
1: the same mistake that I made with like Devontae Freeman and like just never get on Kamara. Like he's obviously pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I think he's kind of a lock as like that high price guy for me in cash. He's at least like my priority, high price, high price play, you know, highest implied team total on the week, 29.5, uh, nine and a half to 10 point favorite again, kind of depending where you're looking. And it's really just him and Gillisley in the backfield. Uh, the team cut Boston Scott, who I think a lot of people like the team cut Jonathan Williams. Who a lot of people like the team cut, you know, Terrence, uh, uh, Terrence West, like I, like every running back that we've been like, Oh, this is the guy that's going to be able to play the Ingram role has been cut. And it's literally just him and Gillisley. And, you know, Gilleslie just signed this week. He just signed this past Sunday. So I uh, think, I think from like a cash perspective, if we're looking at the most likely outcome, you know, Kamara is a guy with a a pretty big expected workload with high touchdown upside. Uh, I will be underweight likely in GPPs just because I think he has a chance to be like the highest owned player on the slate. and He's pretty pricey. That's not usually a a situation I like to overindulge in, but I think in cash, uh, he is a guy that I definitely want.
3: Yeah. I'm going to definitely have him in my cash game lineup. Like, Like you said at the top, you have to spend up somewhere, right? So, I think there are a whole lot worse ways you could spend 8,500 on this slate than going with Alvin Kamara. I mean, even if, even if Gillisley does get, you know, a chunk of the work, it's not gonna be nearly as much as Ingram saw last year. Kamara is obviously active in the passing game. He should, uh, potentially, I would imagine, get the goal line work. Like, this is just a pure smash spot, so. Uh, I'm also a little higher on you, higher than you, with him in GPPs. Like I, I, I think I'm probably going to have about in line exposure with the field. I would say on Kamara. Okay. Um, what? Well, how? How high do you think he's owned,
1: by oof. the way? Since we're on that topic.
3: Yeah, I think he's probably thirty percent owned. Okay. Maybe yeah. thirty five. Like, I definitely think that he is the highest owned running back. I actually think Antonio Brown might approach that same level at wide receiver, but, um, yeah, I think Kamara, just as far as ceilings go, he's got to have one of the top ceiling projections on the whole slate. Sure. All right. There's also a nice group of mid range plays here that I think could fly under the radar. You know, obviously people are going to pay up for Kamara. They're going to go down for the value plays. Who are some guys in the mid range that you think maybe could be overlooked for, uh gpps yeah i mean i mean if i am going to pay up a little bit at
1: like rb2 in cash which i think is totally doable uh mccaffrey christian mccaffrey and melvin gordon i think are are definitely good plays like those are guys i was kind of considering before we got all this value uh i mean mccaffrey is, is in like the mid sixes and he's a guy that i think at this point we feel really comfortable about his workload i think that was really in question especially at the team signed cj anderson but a lot of that work hasn't happened uh, you know with the first team for anderson so i think McCaffrey's going to see a boatload of work and dallas has really struggled defending running backs especially in the passing game which is obviously McCaffrey's forte uh, over the last couple seasons they've really struggled against running backs in uh, route so a really good spot for him uh, melvin gordon also a home favorite we know that the Chargers kind of love to pound him with volume when he's healthy. So, uh, And it helps that Kansas City's defense is awful. So those guys, I think, are good plays. And uh, Alex Collins, elite game script play. I think he's, he's probably the lowest owned of the three guys I've mentioned. So that probably makes him the best UPP play. I mean, this is going to be – this is the game where he could get like 25 carries and two touchdowns because uh, there's not going to be a real reason to take him off the field.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know I'm fading Melvin Gordon. Like that's, I think I have no problem with that becoming my brand that Melvin Gordon is overrated. Um, I think for him to score, you know, what's required at his salary, he's going to have to score at least once, you know, uh, if we're looking at like a tournament setting, like you probably need two touchdowns from him and I'm fine banking against that happening. Uh, I really hope they get Austin Eckler more involved this season and kind of relinquish some of the workload from Gordon. It remains to be seen if they'll actually do that, but uh, given just all the the great running back plays this week, I have no problem being underweight on him. McCaffrey is much more interesting to me at 6,400. Like like you said, he is going to be a a workload monster for Carolina this season. You know, C.J. Anderson, they kind of brought him in, I thought, to play the Jonathan Stewart role, but if the preseason is any indication, like the Jonathan Stewart role just no longer exists. Like it's just going to be McCaffrey running the ball, McCaffrey catching it. You know, he's going to play the slot. Uh, I think he's just a a really nice play at his price point. And Collins is honestly my favorite play uh, in this tier at 5,600. I think that Baltimore is going to destroy Buffalo. You know, you can listen to more of my thoughts on that in the Laying the Points podcast. But like, I just love targeting Collins at home, As a seven and a half point favorite, you know, he was one of the better running backs in the league last season, and he did that behind an offensive line that lost more games to injury than any other team in the the National Football League. So adding in some healthy offensive linemen, including, you know, all world stud Marshall Yanda, I think he should be able to have his way with this defense. So I love Alex Collins. And one more guy I want to throw in. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, like, Collins, I feel like, is the kind of guy that people will, like, shy away from on draft kings because he doesn't catch passes, but obviously a really good spot for, like, bonus, multiple touchdowns, stuff like that. So, jam away.
3: Right, and we talked about this on our GPP show, but, like, the catches for the running back position when we're talking about big weeks are not overly important. You know, like, they obviously help raise a floor, but... When you're looking for ceiling, you want that 100-yard rush bonus. You want multiple touchdowns. And I think that um, Collins is in a good position to execute that. I also want to give some love to your boy Saquon Barkley. You know, I think he's going to be a minimal ownership type play this week. You know, people see the Jaguars, think it's a tough matchup. But Jacksonville actually was pretty poor against the run last season. You know, most of the reason they were dominant was through the air. Uh, So I think that Barkley's going to be involved and it's going to be a decent matchup if the Giants can keep this game close. And I think that they should be able to. uh, I like Barkley to be really involved. And, um, you know, I think he's a nice leverage play with all the other guys commanding most of the ownership. All right, let's talk some cheaper GPP plays under the radar. Who are you looking at here?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, Dalvin Cook... At 6,200 was a guy that, you know, a month and a half ago I thought was probably going to be the chalk. Uh, And now he's completely off the radar. I haven't really heard anybody talking about him. But, you know, big home favorite going up against a defense that was bottom five and schedule adjusted PPR points. Allowed to running backs, according to four for four. Um, Just a a straight up good play. I mean, I think Cook is a guy that a lot of people are high on as a player. Um, You know, unless you're worried about Latavius Murray, I think he's definitely – A guy that you want to, you know, give some exposure to, and Mike Gilleslie. I mean, 3,400 on DraftKings. We know that that the spread is very large. I don't think that, like, I think that ultimately Sean Payton would probably like to not overwork Kamara. Yeah. Uh, And, you know, it's possible that Gilleslie gets, like, some weird multi-touchdown game like he did last year in week one. And, uh, I think it's kind of been lost in the shuffle because he was so bad last year, but, like, he was really good when he was in Buffalo. Like he it's was. possible that Gillisley is like, yeah, it's possible that Gillisley is good and like has a pretty good game here at 3,400. So uh, I like him.
3: Yeah. I think one guy I want to add is Carlos Hyde at 4,500. Um, he definitely does not fit what we're looking for as an underdog, but he has a great matchup versus P- uh, Pittsburgh. They ranked as the worst rush defense in the league, according to pro football focus in 2017. Um, obviously they're still not going to have Ryan Chazier, which is, you know, tragic. But, uh, I think Hyde is a guy who is probably going to command a pretty big workload, at least in the rushing game. You know, he'll lose some targets to Duke Johnson, obviously in the passing game. But I think Hyde is has pretty much solidified that he's going to be the the early down workhorse for Cleveland. And if they can keep that game close, and I know that the Sharps really like the Browns this week, I think that uh Hyde could be somebody that helps them do that you know running the ball he should benefit from having a mobile quarterback in Tyrod Taylor um and I think that you know the weather will also result in this game maybe being a little bit more run heavy so I really like Carlos Hyde as somebody that I think is going to have you know really minimal ownership but is in a a nice spot here I I like it I mean especially if we think that the Browns are going to compete right yep all right let's move on to wide receivers Actually, before we do that, I want to challenge all of you. Join our special listeners league on DraftKings. Uh, it's going to be 50 people for week one, $3 league that's going to pay out the top five spots. So if you think you can take down me, Anthony, or Matt, join the league. Prove it. Uh, we'll be tweeting the link out at our Twitter feeds, at Matt Lamarca, at Amixta, and at Matt Jones TFR. So find the link there. Uh, I will also drop a link on the show page. So, Make sure to get in quick. You know, we're not really sure how fast this is going to fill up. It could be filled up by tomorrow. So uh, definitely get your spot early and, uh, you know, come prove that you have what it takes to be the great DFS player known as a Oh, gosh. (laughs) Dead dead last incoming.
1: Dead last.
3: (laughs) All right, let's talk receivers. And we got to start with Antonio Brown. So with Lev Bell out... Mm. How are you approaching Antonio Brown this week?
1: La la lock. Give me <laughs> all the AB. Uh, you know he's averaged 13 targets, 130 yards, 27.16 PPR points in 16 games that he played that he's played with that Bell since Holy 2013. Moly. Big time numbers. Uh, the elite receivers, I think overall, have been priced down. Uh, you know Brown himself is only 8600. Like. Last year, we were seeing some of those elite guys over 9K. So I think that you get a good discount here. I, there's just no way he's not in my cash lineup. And uh, I will likely be overweight in tournaments. Hard love.
3: Yeah, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. He might honestly be a lock button for me in tournaments. You know, like uh, you mentioned you like to keep a tight core. I also like to keep a tight core for GPPs. I can see myself having you know, at least 50% Antonio Brown and up to as much as a hundred percent. The only thing that would scare me off is the aforementioned weather concerns. Like if it's going to be windy, that might be a reason for me to tone back my Pittsburgh exposure just a little bit. But if the conditions look okay, uh, Ben to Antonio Brown is going to be my, my top stack hands down. So with all the other value at running back, are you considering paying up for another wide receiver? And if so, who are some of the higher price guys you're targeting besides Antonio Brown?
1: I mean, yeah, definitely. Like I think both AJ Green at 7,300, Keenan Allen 7,500. I think that those are really good plays. Now, Green is playing the aforementioned terrible Indianapolis secondary. Terrible. Uh, two of the Colts, terrible. Two of the Colts, three running back, uh, three running backs, three cornerbacks rank inside the top 20 in yards allowed per route covered per PFF. Uh, and then for Keenan Allen, the Chiefs were third in schedule adjusted PPR points allowed to receivers last season. And uh, I think that their secondary is arguably a lot worse now. So I uh, really, really like Allen. You know, he's a guy that I think we expect to routinely command one of the higher target chairs in the league. So uh, two really good plays there. I, I think I'm likely going to have one of them and Brown uh, in cash and paying down at, at running back.
3: Does Kendall Fuller scare scare you at all, uh, as far as Keenan Allen goes? Because just checking PFF, they have him graded as a elite cornerback, third best in the league last season, um, and I think that he could potentially shadow Allen in this matchup.
1: Well, I, the thing with Fuller is that I don't. I think he's really just a slot corner, and I think that the team will be willing to move Allen around. Like I think that's just kind of what you do with your best guy. Uh, certainly something to think about, but I'm not going to get super, super caught up in it just because I, I think ultimately Keenan Allen is just really good. And <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of guys that can cut.
3: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm prefer, I, I'm prefer, yeah, let me try that in English. I prefer AJ Green to Allen. I think given that he's a little cheaper and I like his ability to rip off a big play a little bit more. Uh, I'm also going to consider DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I think, It's kind of surprising to me that he is, you know, projected for lower ownership than a lot of the guys in this range. You know, the only guy that's really projected for lower ownership at Labs right now is Odell Beckham, who has a super tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I know that Hopkins is going to see a tough matchup as well, but I just think that the volume is going to be massive there. And the fact that he could potentially get, you know, 13 targets or something like that. We know how good he is. He's the most effective red zone receiver in the NFL. Like, I think that given the game script and the total, DeAndre Hopkins is somebody I'm considering as well.
1: Uh, Definitely fair. I I think it's, like, kind of weird, actually, that, like, I would expect all the guys, like, towards the top of the salary scale to, like, command a decent amount of ownership. Uh, And, like, Hopkins might be the lowest owned of all those guys. And that's kind of weird considering the season that he's coming off
3: of. Right, and the fact that he has his quarterback back. So yeah. yeah, all right. Let's move down the pricing spectrum a little bit. Who are some mid-tier guys that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean, if if Josh Gordon is truly going to be on a snap count, which now apparently Todd Haley is saying that he won't be, uh, you got to love the the Browns
3: coaches. Let's just fire um, him. But Can it, I fire Todd Haley somehow? Or uh, <laughs> I want to fire Hugh Jackson. I'm sorry. I know I don't have that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, but.
1: obviously, Antonio Callaway, after getting busted with, with weed and stuff in his car at like three in the morning, not only as a reward, as a punishment, is he forced to start an entire preseason game, but he's also going to start this game over Josh Gordon, who's coming back from a drug related defense. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable to me. Like, but regardless, like, if Gordon's going to see less time than he probably would, you know, Jarvis Landry at 5,500, I mean, a lot of targets, a lot of catches. Uh, you know, Browns are still underdogs here, and I think that we're both on, like, the Steelers' side of the game. So that kind of means peppering Landry with targets, very similar to what we saw in Miami. So like that, uh, I think if we're looking at Antonio Brown without Le'Veon Bell, we're definitely looking at Juju. Your boy. Uh, and Manny's, yeah, my boy, absolutely. And Manny Sanders at 5K. I mean, I, I may temper expectations slightly with Old us back, but I still think that the price is really low for someone who usually – Uh, commands a pretty high percent of team targets.
3: Yeah, 5K for Manny does feel really low. And honestly, I feel like Demarius at 57 is also a little low. You know, Sanders is definitely the better play of the two, but uh, I think, you know, a Denver stack with Keenum and and one of or both of those guys is a nice play. Uh, And I know that you mentioned Keenum earlier, so I think you're probably in agreement there. For sure. One other guy I want to mention, and he is another guy that's going to be super chalky, But Chris Hogan at 6,100 feels just a little bit too cheap to me. Sure. He has the potential to be the wide receiver one for the Patriots, you know, the team with, you know, the second highest implied team total of the week. He's been super adept in the red zone. Uh, like there's just a lot to like about Chris Hogan. The only thing that's not really to like is his projected ownership. So, uh, I think Hogan might be more of a cash game play. If you need someone in that price range, but a tournament, you know, fade type of option.
1: Yeah, definitely agree with that. He's someone that uh, I'm looking at pretty hard on FanDuel because touchdowns are a little more valuable there. I definitely think he has touchdown equity and uh, he's a better price fit, at least for me, because I I think you can. I think it's a little harder to get like two pure stud receivers on FanDuel this week. OK, so Hogan is like a nice fit.
3: Let's go down to the bargain bin. Who are some of the cheaper guys that you're targeting?
1: Kenny Stills, 4700 I mean, this was someone that I thought maybe could be the WR1 in Miami anyway. But, you know, without Devontae Parker playing, uh, I think that that's kind of a lock for the week. Uh, you know, Stills has always been good with Miami, so I think that's a really nice price. Uh, Titans have upgraded a corner, but I still think Stills is a guy that can beat you. And uh, they're the, the for real cash, uh, lock or I should say Chalk at least. Keelan Cole, 3,800. No Lee. Uh, ASJ may not play in this game. Uh, so Cole likely will see the most snaps at receiver for the Jaguars. And you already talked about how the Giants defense was pretty poopy last year. So,
3: <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Keelan Cole for cash games in particular. I mean, I think this is one of those situations where He's totally fine to fade in GPPs. You know, like there's no real reason why Keelan Cole is a lock to smash. So anytime you're getting a guy who's going to be, you know, upwards of 20% owned, I think you're fine to fade him. But in cash games, you're just not going to find the type of, you know, workload that he has the potential for in this matchup at the, at a similar price range. So, uh, I love Cole for cash games. Uh, I'm a Kenny Stills guy too. I really like Stills. You know, he's always a threat to rip one off and he should play a lot this season. And I think Marquise Goodwin also deserves some love. I think he's too cheap at 4,600. Obviously, it's a tough matchup, but he displayed some really nice chemistry with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo last season that has reportedly carried over into, you know, training camp and the preseason. So I think Goodwin, we could be looking at a guy who's more like 6K. Uh, moving forward this year So I think getting the opportunity to buy him at 4600 Even in a subpar matchup Is something that I'm probably going to take advantage of
1: I like it And uh, I hope that that my bookie, by the way Honors this bet that I have here Uh-oh. On Kenny Stills I, I'm really, I don't know like what qualifies For him to be the receiver one For Miami in week one, but I bet that at four to one So I really hope that that uh...
3: <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea what that means But in my eyes, you won that bet
1: <laughs> Let's go
3: <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk Contrarian. Who are the guys that you're targeting who should have, you know, we'll say 10% ownership or less, maybe, you know, 5% ownership or less?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know that I love T.Y. Hilton. I think he's probably going to be, again, in that, like, 6 to 9 kind of range, like sub-10%, but not super unowned. Uh, you know, playing at home with Lux since 2013, he's averaged 9.6 yards per target. He's averaged 25% of the targets. Uh, And he averages over four more PPR points per game in this situation than out of split, which is, you know, obviously mostly road games. Yeah. And uh, the games where luck hasn't played. So really good spot for Hilton. And, uh, you know, Dante Moncrief, a a legit one percent play this week. uh, Four thousand. And this is your Keelan Cole leverage. And it's also for me a brand play because I'm (laughs) I'm really all over Moncrief. You are the
3: Moncrief, man.
1: Yeah. Especially if if Safarian Jenkins isn't playing like Moncrief to me is really like their their most legit red zone option so I I do like him
3: yeah I think those are both uh fine plays I'm not as big of a Moncrief guy as you are but (laughs) (laughs) I've got two guys both at 3,700 that I I like as low owned contrarian plays one is Philip Dorsett Um, he might be a little more owned than, you know, two to 4% or whatever, because I do think that he's being touted a little bit in the industry right now, but, um, he's going to play as the wide receiver too, I think for new England in a shootout potential game, you know, like if you're looking to fade Chris Hogan or, or Gronk who will get to, but still get exposure to this game. I think Dorsett is a really nice, cheap way to do it. And then I, I like John Smokey Brown at 3,700 against the Bills.
1: Mm, yeah, that's your guy.
3: The Bills pass defense was pretty good last year, but John Brown is someone who we've seen be, um, you know, a really good football player in the past. He's struggled with the sickle cell trait, which has really affected him, but I think that the coast is pretty much clear for him to assume a wide receiver one type role in Buffalo. So I'm all in on John Smokey this week. I, uh, I think he's got the potential to weigh uh, outdo his current salary
1: yeah I really like the Brown call
3: I mean it's hard to even know what you're going to get
1: out of the Buffalo secondary because like they added but he was terrible last year because he was hurt like it's kind of hard to know what you're going to get out of him uh, Teron Johnson is going to start for them probably in the slot and, and he's new so it's like that even though they were pretty good last year like it's really possible that they're not very good at all this year and, and Brown like you said has got speed to burn all right If you want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, your bench players, and the free agent pool. You may be asking yourself, how does SquadQL
2: actually
1: do that? Uh, Well, it's a great question, but the app connects directly with your ESPN CBS leagues, Pulls in your actual roster, your league scoring system, uh, and helps you to provide, you know, waiver and trade recommendations. The app also gives you player rankings each week, and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to fantasy app this football season. Head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. Uh, If you're someone like me who plays in way too many leagues every year, even though I say I (laughs) won't— You gotta get Squad QL. It'll definitely help optimize your process and stop you from missing lineup lock and, and waiver pickups. Like I probably will every single week <laughs> until I pick up Squad QL. So it's brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer, trusted by a hundred thousand DFS players. You can download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. So be sure to get that now.
3: Yeah, I, you know I'm a company man, but I gotta be honest. That's pretty cool. The Squad QL. <laughs> All right, let's move on to tight ends. I think that Gronk has a chance to be, you know, pretty high owned this week. You know, we've talked about the value at running back. I think there's value at receiver if you want to go in that direction, and Gronk does give a ceiling at the position that really is pretty unmatched. So, we took pretty anti-Gronk stances, I think, on our strategy shows, but are you looking to roster him in week 1 given the uh, the way that the week is setting up with all the value.
1: Yeah. Like I, I kind of think that on FanDuel, he's going to be a cash play for me because the salaries are a little softer. Um, but the tight end salaries are actually pretty competitive. Like some of the guys that I'd really want to play on DK, like I, I can't really get at the same discount on FanDuel. So I think I'm just going to go all the way up to Gronk on DraftKings. He's probably GPP only. I mean, anytime that the Patriots have a big team total, you have to at least consider him, but the pricing really slants more towards the lower price guys. There's like a much wider price gap between him and a couple of the other guys that we'll talk about in a minute. So uh, he's GPP only there for me, and he's going to be pretty highly owned, I think. So I, I will probably be underweight, uh, but not at zero.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to get it out of the way. Like Gronk is going to be a fade for me in GPPs every single week this year. Um, the you know three to four weeks. Where he goes for a hundred plus and two touchdowns. I'm just going to lose those weeks. I'm fine with that. (laughs) I am fine with that. But the weeks where he busts and for a bust for Gronk is like 50 yards and a touchdown. You know, like at his price, you need, uh, more than that. Like I'm going to pick up leverage on the field on those weeks. So I'm going to be fading him in, in GPPs. I would be willing to play him in cash games, but. Like you said, I think on DraftKings, there are some lower price guys that I think is where the real value lies. So I'm probably going to be anti-Gronk in cash as well. FanDuel might be the, the exception. I haven't really focused a ton of effort on FanDuel yet. But um, at least on DraftKings, I'm probably going to have zero Gronk this week. I mean, I...
1: I have all my exposure that I need in season long, so Um, I'm not sweating it.
3: I have too much in best ball, so that's where I've got my Gronk, kind of like Jonesy said. (laughs) Um, All right, let's talk about two other tight ends who I think are going to be pretty popular. That's Jordan Reed and Jack Doyle. Um, Reed has historically been a stud when healthy. Doyle is a potential target monster playing with Andrew Luck, so What do you think about those two guys, cash game style, GPP? Like, how are you looking at them?
1: Yeah, I mean, for a while, I was probably going to just play both of those guys in cash because I thought that their prices were really low. Uh, You mentioned, of course, Reed. I mean, super underpriced for what he's done when healthy. He's been uh, the second best tight end in football over the last, like, three years, Uh, like, in terms of, like, overall resume when healthy. Like, he's been really, really good. So to get him at 4K... Uh, in a spot where he's, like, actually healthy, is really good, so I, I definitely like him, um, you know, in my first Action Network piece, you know, definitely go check that out, but it does describe why I think Doyle's in a really good matchup, with Cincy, I did talk about it a little bit earlier, but, you know, I think that there's going to be scoring in this game, and uh, Doyle had a massive, massive game against the Bengals last year, you know, granted it was with Jacoby Brissett, but a uh, ton of catches, he's already kind of exploited this defense a little bit, so I he's obviously in position to do that again. So I like both of those guys. I I might just take the the slight savings with Doyle. I think that at some point, like you got to start counting the hundreds, but uh, if I can get Reed, you know, surely I I will, I will try to play him. I think in tournaments you want to have exposure to both, but you probably don't want to be too crazy. I mean, it kind of depends, I guess where you think those guys will settle in, but I'm not really looking to have more than like 20% exposure or so to, uh, to, other guy.
3: Yeah, I think that Doyle is the interesting one here. Um, I think given the ownership, I actually like Ebron a little bit better. You know, he's a little cheaper, and I think he'll come in with much less ownership. He's a better athlete. Um, And he did display a nice rapport with Luck in the Week 3 preseason game. So I kind of like Ebron as a leverage play off of Doyle, who I think is going to be arguably the second highest on tight end this week. Um, But I do think Doyle's fine for cash games. Reed is the real just super intriguing guy. Like, uh I probably won't be able to afford him in cash. Like, my philosophy with tight ends is that I'm really just looking for the, the cheapest guy that I think can score a touchdown. And there are cheaper guys that fit that description. But as far as ceiling goes, he gives you a ton of ceiling at 4K. Like, I think it's within the realm of possibility that he finishes as the highest scoring tight end this week. So I definitely like Jordan Reed a lot for GPPs.
1: Love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's worth noting that, like, Reed did lead the entire position in points per game uh, both in 2015 and 2016. So he clearly has super upside.
3: Stud. All right, anybody else you're looking at here?
1: Yeah, I mean, if Safarian Jenkins does play. I mean, he mispracticed yesterday with, like, a core injury, which is not terribly specific. Um But if he can get in like a couple limited practices or something and end up playing, he's probably my favorite tournament play at the position. I don't really think that a lot of people will look that way. But he's 3,200, and the Giants are, are, you know, a flowchart team until they prove to me otherwise. Uh, Olivier Vernon and Kareem Martin should be primarily pass rushers. The Giants will be playing a 3-4 probably. Um, You know, Vernon like basically has never covered anyone. (laughs) Like it's very likely that he does nothing. Um, And Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson, who are supposed to start in the middle. They're terrible in coverage. Uh, 56 and 43 coverage grades, respectively, per PFF. That's on a 0-100 to 100 scale. So uh, That is hashtag bad, and I certainly think that uh, ASJ is going to dominate kind of the middle of the field, and obviously he has a shot to score anytime he's out there against his team. So I, I like him, and uh, Tyler Eifert in a game that, again, I think has a lot of scoring upside, a legit like, 1% play, because I, I think that a lot of people still think that he's a <laughs> which is honestly not like a bad assumption because he usually is. Yep. Uh, but he is, he is confirmed healthy right now.
3: I love Tyler Eifert. Like, I might be one of the biggest Tyler Eifert guys on the planet. I still draft him. Like, I have probably more Tyler Eifert exposure at tight end than any other player this year. Like, when he's healthy, he is a red zone monster. Like, I know we haven't seen him healthy, but he at least kind of is right now. So... Let, I'm I'm all about Tyler Eifert I think that at 3400 you could play him in any format and feel pretty good about it um, I also love the ASJ call you know we recently did our home league draft together. I specifically took him as my tight end in like the last round just so I could pick on the Giants week one uh, unfortunately health could be an issue but if he's active I have no problems playing him and one other guy I want to throw in there is Ricky Seals Jones. This might honestly be the guy I'm leaning towards in cash games right now. I know that might sound a little bit ridiculous, but he's priced at just 3k. He played like 90% of the snaps with the first team offense uh in the preseason, and I think that that's really all that you're looking for at a tight end position, you know? You want somebody who is super cheap, gonna play and has the ability to score a touchdown, and I think Seals Jones checks all those boxes.
1: Yeah, uh- Like that, I mean, Seals Jones was a receiver in college. Like, uh, it shouldn't really be super surprising that he had like a pretty prolific season when he finally got an opportunity. Like, the dude can definitely catch the football, and uh, like you said, he's playing a lot. So uh, I don't hate that at all.
3: All right, let's move on to defense. We'll wrap the show up with the defense, and I think that Baltimore has the potential to be, you know, pretty massively owned, um, even though they're the highest-priced defense on the slate on DraftKings they have the nut matchup against Buffalo who is starting a guy who threw five picks in his last start, maybe even six. I can't remember at this point. So how are you approaching Baltimore in GPPs and cash games? Like, are they somebody that you're going to want to have, or is this going to be a fade in all formats?
1: I'm fading. I I might not have a single Ravens defense team. Like I'm going to make a ton of lineups. I might just not play them at all. Like I, it's a it's a risk. Like if they score, I'm going to be like eating a lot of a lot of crap. But I just don't like to pay up at defense in cash. Um, I really just think that, like, if you're trying to project, there's just not a huge range difference in terms of like projected outcome from the top of the salary scale to the bottom. So I'd rather just play a cheaper defense um, and like the turnovers and all that stuff, like very, very variant. And if you just, even if you think that Nathan Peterman is like the stone worst quarterback in football, which he might be, yep. Um, <laughs> but e- even if you think that, like the like expected difference in production is like one on interception, which is like two points. It's like it's nothing, you know. Right. Like uh, I wouldn't, I, I, I'd rather just have a salary, and I, and I never pay, I never play really chalk defenses in tournament.
3: Yeah, the, so they're an easy fade in GPPs. I'm a little more open to rostering them in a cash game if I can afford it, just because I do think Peterman is that bad. But I also don't feel like I have to get them in. You know, I feel like there are other defenses, um, you know, that you can easily turn to. And maybe you, you don't have the same floor projection as you would with Baltimore, but you can easily amount amass the same type of ceiling. So let's pivot. If you are not looking at Baltimore, are there any of the high price defenses that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean we talked about this yesterday on the lane the points, but Saxonville against the poorest Giants offensive line, only a hundred dollars less than Baltimore. Uh I mean people obviously really over over focus on points allowed, but I mean certainly they could hold the Giants to a low a low total. I think we're really just looking at the sacks and the uh definite definite ability of Eli Manning to throw interceptions when pressured. So <laughs> Uh, good spot there. I mean, anytime I can get, like, I'm a, I'm a really big fan, we talked about this on that GPP show, but anytime I can get, like, the best defense in football, at like, decent ownership, I, I usually like that, and I think we're in that spot here. Uh, and the Saints, you know, huge home favorites, So the spread matters so much more to me than a than total in a game, and uh, New Orleans is the biggest favorite on the slate, so I uh, really like them at home against Fitzpatrick, 3,600. Uh, Fitzpatrick also has definitely had his issues with turnovers over the years like like the new orleans is basically baltimore without the ownership to me like i just really like that
3: play yeah i love new orleans as well um i'm also i might have some minnesota exposure i think that's interesting sure. you know they're another big favorite and they're obviously an elite defense but i don't think anybody is going to play them against garoppolo so i think that that's an interesting call for gpps but I'm with you like I might prefer New Orleans to Baltimore. I think that they have the potential to just run away with that game. Um all right, let's move down the pricing spectrum a bit. Um I think that the Patriots have kind of emerged as, you know, sort of like the cheap defense to target. Is that somebody that you're interested in? Um I know that the Chargers are also getting a little bit of buzz. They're obviously a really talented group of players at t- at only 2800 Uh, But both of those units have somewhat tough matchups. So what do you think about those guys? I really like the Patriots.
1: I mean, they're probably going to be my cash defense. Uh, Again, like, points allowed really isn't that important to me. I'm a lot more interested in uh, the spread. I'm a lot more interested in turnovers. Um, You know, and Watson certainly has the opportunity to provide those 3.9% INT rate last year as a rookie uh, 2.8 percent interception rate in his two full years as the Clemson starter, which is obviously lower, but like in terms of elite college players, it's it's on the higher end of the spectrum. Uh, and he takes sacks. You know, eight and a half percent sack rate last year. So like, as good as Watson was, he was still someone that would provide uh, fantasy points to the opposing defense. And Patriots are so cheap that they don't have to do like a ton to uh, to pay off.
3: Yeah, I think I'm with you on them. Uh, as a cash play, <clears throat> they're going to be, you know, we have them projected for the second highest ownership right now at Labs, which, again, is probably going to make them a fade for me in GPPs. But I agree with you that at that price, they don't need to do a whole lot to be a nice cash game play. And the Chargers for me are, are going to be a complete avoid. Like I, um, I'm definitely on the Kansas City side of that game. So I'm definitely looking to avoid the Chargers. All right. Throw me some GPP guys it. that you're looking at. Anybody? Anybody like a a low-owned, you know, maybe like a low-dollar, low-owned play that you're considering?
1: I mean, I'm just going back to Moncrief. I don't have, like, anyone new. Uh, I just think that he's he's like the one guy that's like 1% that I really like.
3: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm going with Philip Dorsett. I think that he maybe doesn't hit the 2% mark. Like, he might go over that. But I just think that that's like my the way that I want to attack the Patriots in this spr- in this game. like I like Dorsett uh, as a nice pivot away from the chalkier guys that are going to cost you a lot more for the Patriots. All right, give me your lock of the slate. Of all the guys we talked about, what's your strongest take this week? What is the one thing that you are not backing down from?
1: I mean, it's Antonio Brown. Will not fade, will not avoid, will not back down. Um, like you were saying before, like he's the guy that has the shots to just be like a, a pure lock button play by the end of the week. Um just just a really good spot.
3: I like that goal a lot. Uh I'm gonna be overweight on him as well. My one is gonna be Rex Burkhead. So sticking with my Patriots theme, you know, I, I was very, very like I harped a lot on you just don't fade the cheap chalk running backs that we think are in great spots. And for me, Burkhead is that guy this week. So I'm going to have him in a lot of my lineups this week. Love it. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of On The Daily. Please be sure to subscribe to, Raid and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And remember, check out our special Listeners League this week to try and take down me, Anthony, and Jonesy. Uh, for Anthony, I am Matt LaMarca. Good luck this week. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to On The Daily, the Rotovis Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Rotoviz Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email dfs at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at DFS.